Welcome to B2B Sales Trends, the podcast dedicated to sales leaders in the B2B space, where we share conversations about innovative and successful sales transformations to keep you up to date on the latest trends. This podcast is brought to you by Global Performance Group. Welcome to yet another fabulous episode of the B2B Sales Trends podcast, the show that brings you hacks, tips, thought leadership for sales, marketing, and customer success. It's brought to you by us, Global Performance Group, a revenue improvement boutique that implements behavior change to provide salespeople and customer success people the competence of the skills, the confidence to execute these well, and the courage to sell and negotiate based on customer outcomes. My name is Harry Kendelbacher. I'm one of the founders. And today I have with me no other than Jeff Braids. Jeff is the Group Senior Vice President of Client Retention at Sodexo. So welcome to the B2B Sales Trends Podcast, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you, Harry. And thank you for having me today. Very happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, Jeff, give us a little bit of an introduction about yourself and Sodexo uh, to start this off with. Thank you. Yes. So uh, Sodexo is one of the, the, the largest global facilities management providers. Uh, we're a 20 billion euro company and we specialize in supporting organizations in, in multiple sectors, the oil rigs in the middle of the, the North Sea to uh, major facilities in sports arenas, all the way back to um, corporate head offices, all the way back to schools, universities, um, senior care homes, um, government facilities, etc. We specialize in making sure that we provide support. Um, and historically, we were of a, a food-based organization. That's our heritage. That's our legacy. Uh, we also as well support in other aspects of facilities, such as all the way through from uh, building maintenance, cleaning, um, reception, mailroom. So effectively making sure that our clients can then do what they do best, which is banking, um, you know, renewable energy, running major sports events, running hospitals, healthcare, et cetera. And we, we help and we partner in that aspect. Thank you for that introduction, Jeff. We've done a little bit of research on you and uh, your LinkedIn uh, bio really focuses and emphasizes the importance of having a plan, having a plan that is welcomed, having a plan that's understood and anticipated by others. I particularly like that part. Could you share a little bit about uh, uh on how this approach applies to client retention and renewals, especially in B2B sales. Absolutely, Harry, thank you. And from a personal perspective for me, I, I always think it's really important to, to engage with, with your internal and external stakeholders. I, I come from a marketing background, historically, predominantly in FMCG industry. Um, and, and what was always quite interesting when agencies would come in and present to us, there would be like this grand reveal, um, you know, and it's the classic marketing presentation. Uh, and and I, I would always sit there and think, you know, this is very high risk, yeah, because if they haven't understood correctly, if they haven't pitched it correctly, um, you know, it wouldn't always necessarily land well. And I've seen some presentations where that hasn't been the case. The learning for me going forward is absolutely around anticipation. And the word that we try and manage and work against within, within Selexo is expectation. 
So expectation for us is understanding. And again, the same thing applies to our internal stakeholders, but for our clients, um, and we're talking on a B2B aspect here, understanding what it is that they expect from Sodexo, making sure that we are then able to deliver on that. And then occasionally where their expectations are outside the scope of what's available to us or possible for us, communicating that back so that everybody is clear and understood. We have those expectation meetings and we carry those out regular stages throughout the contract lifecycle from the very beginning all the way through to the, to the very end. Um, and it's really important that we make sure that they add value. I think individually, personally, I look at other people's LinkedIn profiles. And if I may, you know, when I see what they write about themselves, I wonder, I wonder if third, you know, third parties would write the same thing about you. So, so for me, I, you know, I wanted to communicate that in my LinkedIn profile because it's important to me personally and professionally, but it's also important functionally for us at Sodexo to make sure that we listen. Everything that we do should be insight driven. Everything that we should do should be for the needs and the benefits of the people that we're working for, the clients that we, we are there to help and support on a daily basis. Love it. Absolutely. Love it. Um, you know, retaining clients, renewing contracts is key to every organization. And, uh, you know, in your role as the group senior VP of client retention at Sodexo, what strategies, what things have you found most effective in ensuring that clients not only renew, uh, but also see added value, which is basically the basis of renewal in their ongoing relationship with segregation? Uh, I think for ourselves, um, you know, we've, we've historically been a, a service management company. Um, mm. we, we have created a contract between ourselves and our service and our clients, and then we have provided the services according to that. And anyone who's worked inside those kind of B2B industries will be familiar with the kind of classic, you know, quarterly business review where you review the contract and, you know, the meal was supposed to have this many grams of rice and you're supposed to have four salad items on the bar. These, these are all the qualifying factors that we absolutely need to make sure in place. That's why we have a contract. Contract is there for us. But the contract also is the biggest constraint on both sides. It's a constraint mm -hmm. for the client because it doesn't always give the client the opportunity to explore how else we can, we can help and assist. And it also doesn't encourage and sometimes incentivize us to want to step outside of that contract. So again, holding those regular meetings and again, you know, the expectation meetings is a classic way to do that, to sit, to listen, to then follow up. We have a structured process in place, which we implement across the organization. And I know that that might feel a little bit like we're imposing, you know, group strategy down on people, but it's done to support and it's done to help. And we always do it with the mindset of um, it being a tool, part of a toolbox to aid and help. A large amount of people who are senior leaders in our business are not account management experts. They don't have account management expertise trained into them. That's not meant to be in any way disrespectful to their skill set, but a large amount of them come out of our core base. They are chefs, they are facility managers, and they are excellent at that. And we are an excellent service management company, and I'm extremely proud to work for, them, for, for Sodexo. But we're not always 
enabled in the way that we would like to be in terms of account management. And so that's the bit we want to work towards, the bit to try and listen, to understand, and to be brave, to be brave enough to expand on what exists today. Because the challenge largely for many, and it's for the client as well, is do I really want to break the status quo? You know, I have a good relationship here. Sometimes we've been working with clients for 40 years. We may have a contract which goes forward 30 years in time sometimes. Um, you know, it's it's you know, we have very long relationships in place. And to to put that at jeopardy for the benefit of what sometimes people might see as a, a small amount of incremental business is a challenge. And it's our responsibility from a from a growth perspective to give them the confidence to know that the contract is there to run the day-to-day business, but it shouldn't be the boundaries of the relationship. Right, right. Really like it very much. Um, obviously, Sodexo has a, a, a large customer success, or you guys call it operators, um, uh, audience there. I've, I've recently read that other companies are really, um, you know, uh, getting a larger force behind uh, that renewal process. IBM, for example, I read the other day, is increasing their customer success force uh, from 300 to over 1,000 people. Um, can you share some key challenges that you've seen in the client retention and renewal process at Sodexo, and how have you addressed that for the benefit of that growing audience? For, for, for us, I think one of the, the key areas um, is is time. Um, you know, we we work in a you know let's let's be candid a low margin industry, and we should be a low margin industry because we're providing services back to our clients at the best available cost. So we're not a kind of organization that has a surfeit of consultants sitting on the bench who are ready and available. So we have to choose our battles carefully and we have to make sure that we work with our key clients, our top clients, and those clients with whom we believe we can have a strategic and a mutually beneficial relationship. For us, therefore, that targeting process is inherently important. And in terms of the retention of our business, we have uh, a tool which we call Right Client, Right Terms, where we evaluate what what are the minimum criteria that we want to work with um, in terms of of organizations that we engage with. What are the, um, you know, what are the services that we think we can provide which are most beneficial to to the client because it's what we're best at. Um, And how can we do that in a way that brings innovation that brings uh, meaningful enhancements over and above cost. Mm. If I was to give an example, and and I I probably, um, I'm going to speak on behalf of the industry now. So I'm not speaking on behalf of Sodex, I'm speaking on behalf of the industry. If Mm. I look at hospitals, our industry provides food into the healthcare uh, market. Mm. We work in hospitals where people are ill. They need nutrition, they need support, and we do that very well. However, in many geographies, and I think it, you know, there's no one listening to this will be surprised to hear that hospital food is not always the best. Mm. Why is that? Because largely in time we have we have let ourselves, and again I speak as an industry rather than a Sodexo, and from a client base, we have let ourselves get to a place where cost is the key driver. 
and cost is the key driver of the relationship. And we're working consistently and we've done some great examples on how we're working now with our clients, particularly in places like North America, to reverse that kind of historic relationship and that historic perception where we lead with expertise, we lead with, with you know, we have, I believe we have, you know, as many dietitians as any other company in the world. Um, you know, we have dietitians who can help, who can support, who can bring expertise so that the conversation is not about price. The conversation is about actually somebody wanting to recuperate from a major operation, needs nutrition, they need health um, support, and they need a series of, of, of support networks that are in place. And I think that's the kind of conversation that we need to try and encourage with our uh, with our clients. But we can only do it if we have expertise that we can bring to the table, and we can only do it if we're trusted to be able to then come good on those commitments. It's all very well asking a client, frankly and honestly, to invest in enhanced services, but we then have to be able to, to come good on those commitments that are asked of us. And again, that requires us to invest internally to support, but also as well to communicate across the duration of the client life cycle where, when elements are needed, because the last thing we want is we get to the last two, two months, six months, nine months, 12 months of the contract. You know, we enter into negotiation and we've got nothing in terms of backstory to talk about. That doesn't happen now because of the process we put in place, but historically it did. And it left us in a weakened position because if the only thing you can go and talk about when you go into a room is price, then the only thing you're going to talk about is price. Right. Uh, it's that that term of innovation that you've mentioned. I think that's very important. Uh, what 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 kind of innovation can you bring uh, to my relationship ongoingly? Uh, because if it if it's only price that we're talking about, then it's a win lose, right? And and the relationship needs to be enhanced by other things um, over the uh, over the life cycle. You know, your time at Sedexo has seen, you know, a, a, a a shift, a shift towards transformation, a shift towards digital transformation and talking of innovation. How has digital technology impacted client retention and what role has it played in really enhancing your client relationships? It, it's impacting us massively on a day-to-day -day mm. basis. And I, I think it's kind of in two, three key areas. The first bit, if I preface against that, is, is the move within the industry that we've seen. And if I look back, you know, 15, 20 years, we largely had cost plus contracts. You know, we we provide, and again, I'm, I'm talking an industry level now rather than necessarily a Sodexo level. We provided, you know, service. We charged a margin on top of that. It was all open book. The client saw everything. We then had an agreement. There was a view within the industry that this actually wasn't beneficial to both sides because it didn't encourage, you know, efficiency. So the industry, we then moved to more of a management fee, which is effectively where we just get paid a fee by by the month by the client, mm. um, and, and that that encourages innovation from our side because the risk is now on us. Mm. What we're actually seeing increasingly is a requirement from our clients for us to be subject matter experts. And if I look back to our outsourcing methodology, again, as I saw it 10 years ago, it, it was very much, this is what we want you to do for us. We want you to provide 
this amount of meals. We want the cafeteria to open at this time. We want it to close at this time. We want you to do this in terms of facilities provision. And, and it was very clear and it, and it was quite rigid. What we see now from our clients is actually, Sodexo, you're the expert. You work on a global level with number of clients. What, what do you see that helps you? So there are many ways that digital has helped us. One is frankly internally. So our ability to align to a consistent CRM tool, our ability to have consistent insight methodology, our mm. ability to be able to share information from one team to another. Maybe somebody's working on a, um, you know, a large international bid. They want to be able to share information. Um, you know, I, I can give you an example. Just yesterday, we had our team in China contact us saying we're working on a bid with this international provider. Where else do we have business with that um, client around the world? Now, I'm going to be absolutely candid. A few years ago, we would have not been able to answer that question because we mm -hmm. didn't have the infrastructure and systems in place. We now do. That right. internally helps us manage externally. But from an external perspective, partnering with 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 various partners in terms of the digital solutions. And again, I go back to insight driving this because it's all very well saying, oh, we want a robot in reception or we want, um, you know, um, you know, uh, floor cleaning services that are robots and automated. We want digital sensors. Selling the technology ahead of the need is not what helps. And, and we've learned that a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, when all, a lot of the new digital tools came around, we were a little bit quick to serve. Um, we've learned that now, and, and we again through the expectations, through the ongoing elements of the client lifecycle. What is your business need, and then how can we help you help you meet that need? Right, right. Good point. Um, you mentioned before, and you emphasized the importance of uh, you know acting fast, thinking big, failing cheap. When 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 you implement initiatives, right? Could you provide some of uh, some examples of, of how this acting fast, thinking big, failing cheap philosophy has benefited client retention efforts at Sodexo? Yeah, absolutely. I think for, um, you know, for, for us today, we have to recognize we're an incredibly large organization um, in excess of 400,000 employees worldwide. Um, and sometimes it can feel, you know, that we're a little bit of an oil tanker. Um, so it's it's about breaking it down into bite-sized chunks. If I give an example of this, we, we are currently deploying a training program to our senior operators around the business. So we're talking here about the people who interface with our clients on a day-to-day -day basis. They are either present on-site or they have responsibility for those clients. We are taking time to recognize that, that they are our agents for change. They are the people who can, who can help transform our organization and can help transform the, the relationship and the discussions that we have with our clients. Again, if they're just contract-based, if they're bound around what we signed and agreed to deliver, then frankly and honestly, we're only ever going to be able to deliver on what we agreed upon. There's no scope for expansion in there. And that leaves our clients unhappy because we've not been able to then demonstrate the innovation that we talked about previously. We initially thought that the way to do that was, you know, by doing, um, you know, maybe maybe a few cheat sheets, PDFs, which we would share. Because again, when you work in a big, global, international, multi-segment business, 
it's scary. It's scary to think, how can I interact with that business in a way that's helpful and a way that's not distracting them from the very thing that we want them to do, which is engage with their clients on a day-to-day basis. We were encouraged and we were challenged by our senior leadership team. Go big, go big, be brave, Uh, which was a little bit scary to begin with because we Mm. we thought, what does that mean? But we went big and we've we've come up with a program which we've recently uh, pressure tested in, in, in our head office with a few operators that we brought in from around the world. And some of it didn't work. And the great thing about that was that we failed and we've understood and we've modified that program before we ask our operators to step away from day-to-day interactions with their business, before we ask them to get on a plane and come to a hotel in the middle of nowhere for three days, and then get frustrated that the training and the support and the ongoing pathway that happens beyond that doesn't hit the mark. So, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful to my team who frankly pushed me to do that session right. uh, because it gave us that opportunity to say, Actually, if we're going to fail, let's fail in a room of five people. Let's not fail in a program that's going to touch, you know, a few hundred people around the world. Mm. Great. Uh, and uh, and uh, I, I think that's very important to to learn some of those lessons, to implement them and uh, go large uh, by because uh, uh, that's the one that will affect and change. Yeah. I've gotten to know you quite a bit over the last few months, and uh, you are clearly a leader and a thought leader in the B2B sales uh, industry and uh, in, in the uh, in the retention industry. What emerging trends uh, have you seen affecting client retention and renewals? Uh, uh, what trends are you seeing going forward uh, in the coming years, and how should companies adapt to these changes? I definitely see a movement from service management to account management. And again, if I look back to what we kind of mentioned previously, you know, the contract being the the, the limitation of how you engage, you know, we have a 10-year contract, we're safe in this client for the next 10 years. And and we would, you know, we would we would make our money through delivering services that our clients were happy with. We would retain our business because our clients were happy with what was delivered. Mm. The trend that I see is a constant need to challenge that relationship from the very first day that you engage in that client with that client. So we have, and I'm sure most people do, but part of our process, we have a kickoff meeting. You know, that kickoff meeting should should not be scared to challenge the initial deal that's been proposed, not to throw it, tear it up and say, this isn't what we agreed to, but to say, okay, this is our starting position. How else can we help you? And this only comes from insight. And insight for me is micro and macro. So we have micro analysis, which we undertake on a, on a, within a particular account. And we will understand then, you know, are the consumers, because again, we have our B2B, but our B2B decisions are driven by our B2C, business consumer acceptance. So if if the food that we are serving in in a university is not of a suitable standard, the students will let the university know, the university will change their service provider at the nearest opportunity. So we have a multifaceted relationship that we have to keep in place. And those trends definitely, from a B2B perspective, need to reflect what's happening on the retail high street. So increased incidence of plant-based menus, healthier eating options, um, ability to, to, to source from outside. 
And one of the trends that we've seen, I think, you know, again, um, in years gone by, we had a relatively captive audience. If you were working in a head office, you were largely, unless you were in a city centre, you were largely bound by the facilities which were within that building. This is no longer the case. You can now have food delivered into you. You can bring food in from home more easily. You have a wide range of options available. So this challenges our industry and it challenges Sodexo to listen to not just to clients, but also as well to consumers and to recommend and to understand what are the consumer trends that are needed. And we have to communicate these at every single point of the, of, of engagement with our clients. We should constantly be looking for ways that we can improve our services. We should constantly be looking for ways that we can help our clients be better at what they do because nobody goes in to a, to a university cafeteria and says, oh, you know, I really like the university. It's just unfortunate that they picked the wrong service provider. What they say is the food in this university was not of the standard I expected. Alternately, if the food is exceptional, then, you know, it drives it drives employee engagement. It drives better learning patterns. It drives better recuperation in healthcare facilities. You know, it drives better, um, you know, um, a better desire for people to want to go into the office in these post-pandemic times. So it's on us as the service provider to not just sit there and say, actually, this is what we've been asked to deliver. We have to, we have to approach it from account management perspective, and that has to be a consumer-driven account management mentality. I love that idea of uh, what is this going to drive for you um, <laughs> in... Uh, uh, my dear client, and uh, and how can we help you to operate more efficiently, more uh, better, uh, to create better results for you versus uh, pushing what we need to push? Um, very good, great. And what springs out to me start. what you said, Jeff, is, and this obviously links very much into what we do, is, you know, there's a constant need to challenge the client. I think that's what's uh, your words early on in this uh, in the last answer. I really like that because it, and and that's difficult for people, right? And this is what what clients look for. How do you bring innovation to me? In order for us to do that, we need to constantly challenge things. I I really strongly believe that a big misconception is oh you know we have to innovate the word innovation is in everybody's corporate presentation nowadays and uh, it's sort of a beaten to death term but what does that actually mean is that a trip to brainstorm island where we all come up with a wonderful idea and and and, and huddle up and leave innovation is a process innovation is a process of question innovation is a process of current situation the asking the tough questions sometimes and in a way that falls all under the need of, or under the term of the constant need to challenge. But people need the confidence and the competence to do that. How do we bring innovation to clients is by executing that process. I think it's a real important part that many times is overlooked within organizations. I love that, it's great. Yeah, and if, if, I, if I could just add in there, Harry, as well, I think it's really yeah. important that you innovate with the client, not to the client. So I, I think again, you know, with with well well meaning intention, 
we've all kind of you know had examples and you relate back to to digital earlier you know where we've been to a trade show we've seen oh yeah our clients will love this and then we'll go back and we'll present you know these three or four technologies that we maybe saw what we what we try to do and we do it throughout again throughout the contract life cycle not 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 18 months before the end of the contract not 12 months but you know three four five six years before try and understand what does innovation mean to that client because for some of our clients, innovation just means, will you stop serving the same soup every single Monday morning, yeah? Mm-hmm. Or every Monday lunchtime, yeah? For some, innovation means I want delivery robots that are, you know, delivering across. And we've, we've, we've implemented all elements across that, that spectrum. Uh, but, but understanding what innovation means, because it's, it's not always, um, you know, drones and all of that kind of, kind of capability. Sometimes very simple, very small, very uh, meaningful innovation is 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 all that the client is asking for, and an understanding that you've taken time to listen and to look around with fresh eyes to, to take right. constantly those fresh eyes. Absolutely. Um, let's switch gears here a little bit. A couple of more uh, questions I have for you before we wrap up. Um, as what are the key qualities you look for in uh, operators or custom success team to, you know, successful or to ensure successful client retention, renewal, and growth uh, within an account? I think one of the really um, key elements for me, and I'm sure we've all seen the the Simon Sinek, you know, Golden Circle video, um, but it's that why. It's, it's, it's understanding why are we here. And that goes right back to my, my earlier point on, on the LinkedIn bio. You know, it's, it's, it's why, why am I at work today? What am I here to, to achieve? What am I here to help and support with? And from a client perspective and from a, you know, we need to understand why has that client chosen to work with Sodexo? And sometimes the answer to that question might be, you know, might lead us to a place where we, then understand that the why they chose us we are not meeting today because maybe mm. even the terms of the existing contract haven't yet got us to that place and that's what then drives as you said that innovation the growth the growth discussions because you know if for example um you know we're working in a head office and we you know the, the people within the head office are not using the catering facility in the way that we liked you know, it, it, we can we can go back into our old world, or not our old world, but we can go back into a, a non-partnership mode where we start saying, oh, well, it's because the pricing isn't right, it's because the food options isn't right. Actually, you know, we should sit, listen, understand, challenge ourselves, challenge the client, challenge the contract, challenge what the consumers are asking for, the, you know, the employees within that facility, and then build our, our solution around that. And again, back to the point on thinking big, that may mean that we go back and ask for something that's radically different from what we do today. Mm. And that requires nerves. You've got to be brave to do that because the comfortable place, everybody likes to be comfortable, the comfortable place is to work with what we already know. Now, one bit that we do therefore consistently try to do is to pull what we call the voice of the client 
out of our existing um, engagements. So surveys, etc. Um, you know, we have some algorithms, data management engines, which allow us to understand what are the key themes that our clients are asking of us, so that we can then feed that back from expertise back to those clients. Because the problem, of course, is um, you know, and I, if I made little story, I learned this when I was working in in India for a couple of years. We had very high food inflation, hmm. so we created this this brochure which we gave to all our clients which talked about what was driving food inflation and you know what were the key um you know meta factors that, that were driving and this was this was um 2010 2011 and actually that was useful it was very well received it was a good educational tool but what it didn't help the clients was what do i now say to my cfo so that i can put a higher budget in next year so, so, and then we had to start working on modeling and saying, right, okay, we expect food inflation to be at this sort of level next year. And our clients value, appreciated that because actually then they could go back to their teams internally and say, actually, we believe that food inflation is growing at this level. We therefore need to budget next fiscal year for this increase. They can then come back to us and we can have a healthy conversation as opposed to, I can't do anything about that because I've already locked my budgets for next year. It's a small example, but that's partnership. Right. And it's a, it's a difference between our feeling that we're knowledgeable because we're writing a brochure that talks about what food inflation is and being supportive in terms of we're helping up our clients model for the future so that they then in turn can give us the tools to be successful. And that for me is strong partnership. Love it. Love it. We're almost at the end, uh, Jeff. You've provided really good insights uh, for our listeners. Um, let's do a, uh, a top three skills, as I call it, final questions. Uh, final question. Uh, share with the audience uh, your perception of what are the top three skills and behaviors that operators or customer success people need to execute over the client relationship cycle to ensure that contracts are in needs. And give it to me in the order of priority in your mind. Number one, number two, number three skill of what operators need to have and execute well. Uh, I would say number one, they need to be able to work on multiple timeframes. So this is challenging again, in a you know in an industry where sometimes time is not is not abundant, uh, but they need to be able to step out of the day to day, and they need to be able to look. Of course, we need to know: do we have enough potatoes for lunch today? We need to know: do we have enough um, staff available to be able to, to to support the reception? You know, whatever the service we're providing in that, of course, we absolutely have to do that. These are the table stakes. These are the qualifiers. The hygiene factors call them what you will, but we have to have that ability to step back from that day-to-day -day service delivery and say, actually, from an expectation perspective, what does the client expect of us and how can we therefore put a program in place to support that over the next 12, 18, 24, 36 months? Right. My, my second point would be they have to be translators. And this is actually in a way harder than the first part because they have to be able to talk to the client as an employee of Sodexo and to communicate Sodexo's strategic vision 
and to mm. communicate where um, Sodexo adds value. You know, again, we often are challenged by our clients. What do you? What do we get outside of the site team that Sodexo brings? And it's really important that we help our operators understand what that is, so that in turn that operator can then communicate that back to the client. What they also then have a responsibility for, and it's really important this, that they communicate back to us the needs of the client. Because if we're not understanding the needs of the client, then our marketing teams, our um, you know our food, food platform teams, our technical services teams, our HR teams, our you know, learning and development teams are not creating the right supporting content to help them be successful. And what then happens is we then just end up inventing at the point of need. There's risk that we can't fulfill on our promises. So the operators have to make sure, the customer success managers have to make sure that they help us understand because they're the people who are walking, living, breathing inside our client sites on a day-to-day basis. And the third piece, if those two are in place, um, is be brave. Um, you know, our, our ex-CEO, Michelle Landell, used to say, Budget, budgets budgets destroy companies. Um, and, and whilst he was slightly tongue-in-cheek what he said, and, and if our CFO was listening, he most certainly wouldn't agree with that statement and he's right not to. Uh, but the point that I'm making there is if you are constrained by your contract, if you are constrained by just hitting your numbers, by hitting your budgets, um, then you are bound within your existence. As I said earlier, you are bound within your existing relationship. You have no capability to, to, to grow and expand beyond that. So you have to be brave. So as I said, it's it's about making sure that you 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 know you step out of your timeframes. You're a translator, but also as well, you can exhibit bravery. Fabulous. And if I uh, think about those three points, uh, multiple timeframes, translate and be brave. I'm sort of uh, breaking it down to the skills necessary again. So how do you generate uh, in the multiple timeframe environment and uh, serve and uh, challenge client expectations. The second point to translate, how do we position and frame value and share value internally? And all of this is only possible by being brave and courageous. Yeah. And, and also as well, there are aspects of that. And again, in a large multi-segment decentralized client-driven organization, it's quite easy sometimes to to, again, to invent at the point of need, to, to, to not necessarily understand the need for, for, for process and structure. So for us, particularly in those kind of listening areas, we, we have very structured engagement, you know, as we said, voice of the client, um, expectations, elements that we work towards. And for those, we're the subject matter experts. And my role and that goes right back to the LinkedIn bio about providing something that can be anticipated and appreciated. My role is to market, sell, and communicate that so that somebody who's in a you know, hospital facility in Chicago can understand, actually, if I implement that in the way that I've been asked to, I get value. I get value out of that because it allows me to, to, to manage the relationship strategically across the contract lifecycle, I can set myself up in the best possible position to retain that business when the opportunity arises. 
and I'm not ended up in a position where I've I've run it reactively across the contract lifecycle, and then with six months to go, all of a sudden I'm I'm panicking because I don't have innovation, I don't have a sales story, I don't have a roadmap, I don't have um, the strategic web of influence and relationships in place. Right, absolutely. Thank you so much for your fabulous insights. I know our listeners. Uh, appreciate your input and uh, uh, very, very valuable information that you have provided to them. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in again to the B2B Sales Trends podcast. Until next episode, be brave, be courageous, happy renewing, happy retaining, and happy selling. Look after yourselves. Bye-bye.